Mr. Ben McKenzie is here. He's known for his role in the OC. How did you first get interested in this? A buddy of mine told me I should buy Bitcoin. Unfortunately, that friend of mine had given me the worst financial advice of my life. I have a degree in economics, and uh, that was odd to me. I didn't quite understand what that meant. But there's a lot of shell corporations in the Caribbean that they're affiliated with. So that was interesting to me. And you lost how much? Well, my biggest concern is regular people who've lost a lot of money. How much of your issue is around Bitcoin versus the other currencies? Because I, I could even make an argue that, argument that the other currencies are even more uh, precarious, if you will, than where Bitcoin really is. Well, that's certainly true. I mean, theoretically, the number is limited, right? There are only 21 million Bitcoin right. that can ever be mined. You say you did a deep dive, and it only took me about 20 pages of the Bitcoin standard to understand that. I, I can't predict the future any more than anyone else, but I you would say this. You think it's going lower? Yes. Okay. It, it, do you think eventually there will not be something called Bitcoin? It's a story. It'll last as long as people believe in it. Welcome to the Noted Bitcoin Podcast. This is uh, our first podcast probably in more than a year, right, Michael? Yeah, but it still counts as our annual episode. We had That's one. Right. We had at least one in 2022. So, uh, you know, we had a few months to go. So we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, get ahead of the clock um, and getting it in now. Yeah, the next one will be like uh, around the halving, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be a perfect, uh, perfect time to to reconvene. Yeah, so we got to uh, run into each other recently at BitBlock Boom, uh, put on by the great Gary Leland. Yes, uh, it, was, it was very fun. Uh, always a pleasure to to make it. I hadn't been in a few years just because uh, things just kept getting in the way. But uh, yeah, uh, just uh, very, very high energy. Lots of great conversations. Got to meet a lot of uh People I hadn't gotten to meet before, uh, so that was a lot of fun. I don't want to. I don't want to dox anyone. I don't know who who was open about who was there, but um, they knew who they are, and uh, they know. <laughs> I had a great time chatting with them. There you go. There you go. Well, um, sorry I doxed that you were there. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll also dox that you know my wife Morgan was there too, um, but. Uh, you know, we we were chatting and uh, we were like, "Hey, we should record a podcast about this drive chain stuff that's going on." Yes, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, these the sort of these sort of ideas they they never go away, and so um, they they've kind of come back in a bigger way than ever now. And um, you know, I, I still don't, you know, I, I don't consider myself an expert on drive chains, but I can certainly, you know, kind of share some of my thoughts as to why it's just, it's not interesting to me. Yeah. I don't know that there are any experts on drive chains, um, but uh, I think that people, people underestimate how fractal uh, Bitcoin is and that 
you know, the debates that are being had today will be had again in four years and in eight years and in 12 years and so on and so forth. So um, I think, you know, we, we could look at that with some dreariness or we could look at it of, OK, well, let's engage in the debate. Um, and I, 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 you know, when, when this uh, drive chain stuff, I think it started coming back up after. Uh, the company behind it, Layer 2 Labs, uh, raised uh, millions of dollars. So I imagine that that gave them some motivation to advertise their product or, you know, their f- future hypothetical product. Um, when did they receive yeah. that funding? When, when was that exactly? Uh, I, I was told not to dig into it. <laughs> so uh, by, so, by sometime people on Twitter. Before- yeah. Okay. So it was <laughs> it was sometime sometime in the past. Um, other question I have because I I'm not too you know I I can't keep up with every Bitcoin company. There's there's so many, um, and uh, especially when it gets starting to get into shitcoin territory, you know the the numbers of companies that exist are are too plentiful for me to keep up with uh, everything. But um, are there other products that Layer Two Labs have? Uh, proposed or worked on or announced or anything like that um that aside from you know uh drive chains that we might even find interesting or cool or whatever um that's a great question uh i could go check out their website as far as i know it's just a, a thin wrapper around uh, just drive chains okay so it's in a sense we can uh think of it as um almost like a drive chains foundation but but obviously not quite uh, but just in terms of the the motivation of the company. Yeah, I think the thought process is kind of like uh, Lightning Labs, right? That, okay, so we, we have this great proposal or for, for Lightning, it was a, a white paper. Um, you know, let's, let's have a for-profit entity that is going to drive its development forward. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Layer 2 Labs, you know, what their revenue model is if um if there is one because i mean i kind of i understand i can wrap my head around lightning lamps uh revenue model of oh we're gonna be the best uh you know router and looper uh on uh, you know and and kind of the default um and you know a lot of people do use lightning loop uh but uh the layer two labs i mean i imagine they they have to launch their own drive chain at some point i think for for paul's hive mind uh project that he's been working on for a decade mm-hmm. yeah i guess i was going to bring up hive mind as as another uh thing that they're they're likely uh wanting and i i think that m- might actually be a, a little more orthogonal to drive chains in particular although it also might you know augment each other um according to coindesk it was it was they they announced funding in december of 2022 so uh, that that would explain why this year in particular we've seen a large increase, um, and it was specifically to bring drive chains and other innovative technologies to Bitcoin. And the highlighted, um, you know, uh, purpose and and mission, uh, as as stated by CoinDesk from their press release, was that uh, we believe that drive chain drive chains have the potential to kill altcoins, increase Bitcoin adoption, and provide the catalyst for hyper-Bitcoinization. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's really aspirational. <laughs> uh, 
but um we, we can dig into each of those i just want to talk about a little personal experience i had uh which was at kraken um you know there was a young whippersnapper at kraken who was really excited about um what, what's called uh polka dot parachains um and you know he made claims uh grandiose claims that are really very similar to Paul's claims in terms of how successful uh, the project would be. And, you know, Kraken did end up implementing uh, an integration into Polkadot Parachains. Um, and then, you know, famously, David Bailey asked me how it's going, um, which is one of those questions where it's like, well, if you have to ask, that, that probably means that it, it's not going. Right. And uh, in fact, what's going on with polka dot parachains, which is conceptually, I mean, the, all the arguments are the same. Uh, it's it's the same kind of thought process of, hey, let's just have, you know, lots of chains that people can spin up that is um, that they're all connected by this kind of bridge type thing. Right. Um, and the now they're like, oh, you know what? These polka dot parachains, the, they lack the flexibility uh, that we need. And so now we need what's called uh, para cores. And so basically they're they're trying to reinvent AWS like EC2 instances on the blockchain. And, you know, it goes back to that that point about it being fractal is that there's this thought of, oh, OK, well, we'll, we'll activate drive chains and then, you know, all these good things will happen. And what folks don't realize is that when those good things don't materialize, um, then they're going to start uh, looking at more innovation, right? Oh, okay, it's not drive chains that we needed. We're now going to do drive cores, right? I mean, they're going to uh, come up with uh, more gimmicks to pile on because it, it's it, it's actually, it's a lot like, you know, the, the communism thing of like, oh, well, we haven't tried true communism. We haven't tried true innovation, true permissionless innovation. So we got to, you know, c come up with, more and more uh, frameworks. And, you know, this fractal nature is not just within Bitcoin. It is within the S-Coin world as well in the sense that, so you had Vitalik say, oh, you know, Bitcoin is too constrained. So I'm going to start Ethereum. And then Gavin Wood is like, well, Ethereum is too constrained. So I'm going to start Polkadot. And here's the crazy part. The, the Polkadot people go, Polkadot's too constrained, so we're going to start Kusama. And, and so th there's a kind of like, um, and, and any software engineer understands what's going on here, which is that it's a lot more fun to start with an empty repo and it's Greenfield, right, than have to dig through somebody else's crappy code. Yeah, I think this is, you know, broadly speaking, um, a, a very cultural thing, um, too, that just it exists everywhere. Someone feels constrained by, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, you know, things are around them, where they, where they live, who their family are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so it's always, it's always nice to imagine like, oh, if I just, you know, kind of remove these constraints, suddenly like, you know, my life will be good. Um, and that doesn't necessarily always, uh, that, that doesn't necessarily happen. Uh, when when people remove those constraints, um, so yeah, it's like Which, uh, if... but the the reason why it doesn't happen is because they didn't diagnose the problem correctly, right? 
Right. So like in this case, it's like, is there even a product market fit in the first place? And empirically, it seems like not. Um, so for instance, in, in the case of drive chains, it's been an idea. Um, it's still mostly an idea. Obviously, there's there's at least one implementation branch that exists. Um, and even that, I I haven't reviewed it. I don't know how thorough the implementation actually even is according to the the specs of uh, drive chains. And so empirically, we've had eight years, I guess, of, of drive chains excitement and uh, cheerleading. And um, it hasn't been a, enough of a product market fit to even uh, generate a working client where I can go play with it on Signet. Um, and that just seems, you know, rather odd. Um, now, these things can take a long time. It was a long time before I got to play with Lightning um, on Testnet after having heard about Lightning. But I also, I didn't care about Lightning until I literally got to send a Testnet transaction. It, it to, to me, you know, is there was an attitude prior to that from like 2015 to, I guess it was about what, 2017, 2018. I don't remember exactly when that was, um, but uh it, there, there was a period where was, everyone talks, it was like, oh, lightning fixes this, lightning fixes this, that kind of attitude. Um, but to me, it was just, well, maybe. Like, it, it doesn't actually mean anything. It's not real. And it wasn't until that day when, um, you know, Lalu came out, he had a testnet coffee shop online, you know, or it was just like a, uh, it looked like a coffee shop and you could you could send a, a payment. And it wasn't until I got to literally spin up a node on testnet um and send it i was like oh yes i can see <laughs> i can see the value in this i can experience it and i can enjoy it um and so you know we can we can imagine a product market fit uh but you know it's not it's not until things are really going that you can really sense it whereas bitcoin as it stands today uh definitely has a product market fit i think it has the best product market fit of just about any good in the entire economy uh, because that's almost kind of what money is uh, in a sense. But uh, yeah, there, there just hasn't been that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate to, to, you know, put yourself in a situation where you might, you know, find yourself digging deeper and deeper. Yeah. Cause I mean, it goes even before drive chains or it's side chains and um, liquid and, and kind of that area of, yeah, and even even liquid was, um, you know, when when you read the paper, it was a compromise to realize it's like, look, there's just like certain things we can't do yet. Here's here's sort of the best we can do, and um, that's been out for a long time, and there, there hasn't yet empirically been a a clamoring uh, to be using liquid. I there there are you know I I presume a, a few people, but you know even even some of the drive chains proponents uh, will will. Um, you know, point out that liquid is barely used, uh, but that's actually sort of, uh, you know, an argument argument against the concept as a whole of, you know, this this sounded really cool on paper. Um, it was it was a really neat idea. But um, in practice, it's just not actually solving people's needs at a scale that makes it worth it. Yeah. And it's really funny because they they point to liquid and they say, the reason that these degen traders are not using liquid is because uh, it's not secure enough. Uh, they don't trust the multi-sig, which if you know that when I hear somebody say that, that to me means that they have not been paying attention to anything outside of Bitcoin for the past 10 years. 
which is just a, a long series of people blindly trusting multi-sigs and getting rugged, you know, in, in the billions of dollars. It's not like, so that argument falls flat. And then on top of that, you have, you know, wrapped Bitcoin on Ethereum uh, that is a multi-sig. And so, and that has billions of Bitcoin, you know, uh, pegged into it. So, you know, when people say, hey, multi-sigs are not, uh, are not meeting uh, the market need. We need to have, uh, you know, the mining um, uh, hash rate escrow or whatever we want to call it. Um, I think that that's just false. Uh, what well, you know to say that oh, multi-sig is fine for uh, WBTC, but it's not fine for um, XYZ. I mean, they they they've really gotten to a really fine point of splitting hairs yeah as far as i can tell the uh <laughs> the s coiners they they do not mind at all having highly centralized um entities and in fact having ha highly centralized entities allows them um to be even more creative with what kind of um you know rule sets and products that they can create um whether or not i i agree with you know <laughs> uh whether or not i share that desire to be using such products uh aside right um yeah so i mean i i tried liquid once uh and i just you know i sent bitcoin into it and then my immediate thought was oh crap how do i get it out <laughs> it's like uh you know with 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 lightning it's just like, okay, close the channel and then you get it back. And, you know, after the time lock or whatever, it, it, it is super straightforward. And I think that like, that's, that's how I approach Bitcoin products is how do I get my money out? You know, this is a, this is a very important point that um, I, I don't think it necessarily like spells uh, the death of like a side chains idea in and of itself or anything like that. Uh, but there was a paper I recently reread um, in light of all of this uh, discussion by the great Conrad S. Graf. And he had written a, a piece, rather short piece, back in 2014 when the Sidechains paper came out. And he basically had the, the simple argument um, that Liquid and similar just Sidechains in general, I should say, um, they're not a perfect money substitute in a sort of Misesian sense. Um, and thus, we, we can't expect the market to value them um, at the exact same value as uh, Bitcoin proper. Um, and because of this, I mean, it, we, we could expect uh, uh, in relation to altcoins, you can expect uh you know perhaps sidechains to have uh like a a closer market value to bitcoin than those because of the fact that it's it's kind of you know tied up in bitcoin in in the way that it is but because of the fact that you have these these processes of going in and out and then you know the the feature set itself is different you have a lot of variable discounting and premiums that you have to uh, factor in um, thinking about what are the risks and uncertainties of entering into the thing in the first place, as opposed to getting out, um, that make it difficult to to price it exactly the same, or rather to expect that price to always remain um, 
like basically one-to-one with Bitcoin, um, which a, a lot of the marketing around sidechains often kind of imply that it's it's on the level of lightning in terms of its sort of one-to-one nature. The difference, I would say, is that with lightning, you still own an actual UTXO. It's not broadcast, but it is adjudicated directly by um, the Bitcoin blockchain itself, sort of endogenously, um, unlike drive chains, to be clear, where it's miners doing a different consensus thing. Um, so it's not sort of endogenous to Bitcoin itself. It's tying some exogenous thing into Bitcoin, uh, which many people have tried over the years with various things. But uh, the point is, is within Lightning, it's endogenously adjudicated by the blockchain, a an actual UTXO that to fully consider it sort of settled as in like into your cold storage and, you know, yours forever. Um, is is the 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 difference is merely like how long does it take for that transaction um to get mined once it's broadcast um which is a very different proposition than uh the risks and uncertainties of waiting for either a multi-sig or one of these minor quorums or any whatever quorum it is that's adjudicating um the withdrawal uh, of your coins however long that takes and you know especially with uh drive chains my understanding is it's like it's like a six month process or whatever um or it's like a it's a rather long process i, I shouldn't I, I i might be getting the six months confused with um a different uh uh, aspect of it. But the point is, it's like, there, there's just like a lot of complexities in that uh, going in and out from like a sort of pure economic standpoint, which means that it's, it's, it's not something that we consider a perfect money substitute. So therefore, it's just it's it's bound by very different economic things. And I think you're you're very right that, you know, from a Bitcoin centric point of view, it's that on chain adjudication, and it's sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, reasonable uh, finality um, of sorts. Uh, I don't know what term we want to use for that, but like uh, to to have you know enough finality finality that we feel like this is our UTXO forever. That's what kind of matters first and foremost. And the the way that we would judge these sort of layer twos in terms of uh, how we want to use them is always going to be in relation to the process of getting back to that state. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I don't like the uh, comparison to to Lightning. I think that they're uh, very different trust models. Um, but, you know, the, the, the exchange I found interesting was, um, you know, Peter... Wooly pointing out, hey, look, drive chains has a trust model that I don't find interesting, right? He's basically saying, you know, from a subjective value perspective. And Paul picked up on that and said, yeah, so this is just subjective. So, um, you know, what do you care? Um, And really, it's like, yeah, that's that's true, except that you're asking for a soft fork. So, uh, you know, it does matter uh, that, hey, let's dig into uh, you know, what, what your solution is to what problem. Um, and I think that like the, I keep coming back to this, you know, from kind of a product perspective is what is actually being solved here, um, that has not been solved a million times before. Uh, and I, I, you know, it, it, I find it odd that they want this 
soft fork seemingly more than they want the functionality itself. Um, because if they were just focused on the functionality, they could do that today, right? They could do what they're looking for today without a soft fork uh, using a traditional multi-sig just, you know, in the same way that Raft Bitcoin does. Which has gotten a product market fit. So even even if you can, you know, be um, wary to some level that it's like not meeting some level of decentralization that you you have in your head, it still is a product market fit that if if you made a sidechain uh, using a multi-sig that had features that uh, people like, um, you know, I, I'll give like an example of like if there is a, a Zcash style sidechain or i mean even even um you know confidential transactions would be like instance uh people have not really picked up on that as as something they desire to use but if you did choose one that um you know does seem to have a, a lot of play um and desire you can go do that and it doesn't seem to be the barrier uh to people wanting to enter um so no it, i mean it, look like if if the security is subjective then there, you know, there shouldn't be a problem with doing a multi-sig for that. <laughs> yes. And yeah. And of course, there's all kinds of, you know, reasonable arguments to be had about like how, how, you know, in, in what ways might drive chains add MEV and um, basically political uh, vectors to the mining process, in which case it's like, you know, in a sense, like you're, you're forcing uh, Bitcoin mining to be uh, sort of more subjective and arbitrary than it previously was, uh, which is a a sort of major shift uh, that that such a soft fork would would enable. And that's you know the, the reasons why people would you know kind of be wary of that, even even if it's you know just in the abstract. And if people still feel that way, then you know it almost seems like the burden on of proof is on on you to um, get people to no longer think that it's a a threat um, rather than uh, the other way around, even if a soft fork could theoretically be run despite what those people think uh, regardless. Yeah, I mean, if, if it really is that, um, hey, look, being a participant in the multi-sig here is a negative externality, right? Because you are taking on all this legal liability. You you, you have the performance obligations, um, and you know you got to maintain consensus quorum with the other signers. Um, and you know Paul doesn't want to do that, right? So what what is he going to do? He's going to foist this negative externality on a third party, right? That's his basically his 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 thinking on this. As in uh, miners are going to have to deal with uh, the same issues. Right. The, he doesn't want to deal with it just empirically, right? Otherwise, Layer 2 Labs would be setting up a multi-sig. And so since he doesn't want to deal with it, he's trying to find a way to force others to deal with it. Right. Uh, by by dangling transaction fees in front of them and saying, hey, look, uh, we're, we're going to... Somebody somewhere is going to pay you lots of transaction fees, um, which is funny because at, at Kraken, it was the exact same argument of, hey, after we implement Polkadot parachains, I remember the guy, he had a Slack message and, and this sentence struck with stuck with me. It's going to stick with me forever. It's um, 
this is going to open up endless streams of capital. Ooh, endless. Yeah. And when I read that, I just started laughing. Like, the is it does anybody buy this? And you know, they bought it. I mean, it's it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting way to put uh to describe the the infinite spigot of money printing. Yeah. It's endless. You it, know, it is you endless. can just print. You can just hit the print baby and you can have endless, endless cash. Um, this is this is the sort of thing uh, you know, governments certainly love to uh learn about. Um, yeah, and I mean, like every uh, vendor who's trying to sell a product to an enterprise is going to say, hey, look, this is going to increase your revenue. This is going to reduce your costs, right? They're going to have uh, carrots, the, you know, they're, they're salespeople, right? That's totally normal. What I found interesting about Paul's approach was for him to say, you have a fiduciary duty to buy my product. And, you know, basically implying that he's going to litigate against Bitcoin miners if they don't buy his product <laughs> to, to literally to literally call it fiduciary. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's certainly an interesting way of of um, putting it, you know, and on the other hand, I mean, that that gets straight into things that we've discussed before, which is the the notion of the security budget that kind of underlies that um, that that idea. That it's like, you know, the the purpose of Bitcoin is actually to effectively uh, maximize minor revenue um, and not, you know, uh, you know, the ability to hold a cash balance and transfer said cash balance to other people's cash balances in a in a most, uh, uns- uh, you know, uh, certain uh, way. And um, well, it's interesting that, that Paul does seemingly doesn't mind Bitcoin himself right you know that also kind of goes to the the fractal nature i mean he's he's someone who over the years he's he's described himself as a a sort of bitcoin maximalist or sort of uh within that camp um which also goes to show that we we are not quite the echo chamber that uh people want to there's so much intellectual diversity in bitcoin uh you know people people overlook that because they're looking for seniorage profits but um you know if you actually take a look but i guess my point being that if if paul's entire um product mindset is how do i increase the revenues for bitcoin miners that would make sense to me if he was a bitcoin miner right but layer two labs i mean as far as i know they have zero revenue so you know maybe he should be thinking about how to revenue max himself. Yeah. And I mean, as a Bitcoin user, I have no obligation to think about like, for instance, your company's bottom line. How dare Um, you, Michael? You have a fiduciary duty (laughs) as a user of Bitcoin to enrich Riot shareholders. It's like being being your friend isn't even doesn't register anymore. It's not my fiduciary. I need to I I need to become your pay pig, too. Uh, (laughs) That's the only that's the only way to justify. Um, Yeah. uh, But it's, you know, no, no Bitcoin user has any more moral obligation to to pay a miner, uh, except uh, insofar as they want a transaction to go in. They're going to have an economic need to provide a transaction fee high enough to make that happen. And that's basically the only so-called you know duty that they would have um to to overcome you know censorship barriers and uh any kind of uh, scarcity barriers 
what's interesting, I, I was thinking too on this, I was thinking back to a discussion that you had on IRC back in, I want to say it was 2015 um, with uh, Gavin Andreessen, um, who, you know, I, I know a lot of, you know, Bitcoiners have, it, it's been a long enough time now that many Bitcoiners now might not even uh, be as familiar with that name. But Gavin Andreessen was sort of the the person who took over uh, Bitcoin development after Satoshi's departure. And um, he was sort of the face of Bitcoin for a long time, you know, yeah, he had a nice guy, you know, nice, he was a nice guy, he'd go on TV and and say nice things and yada, yada, yada. And um, he, he certainly uh, did a lot of good development work. Um, uh, but, you know, he, he was a big blocker and that kind of ultimately led to um, part of his, I, I would say, you know, we maybe called demise uh, during the the block size war era. And you were having a discussion with him on IRC just talking about just big blocks. And I think that you had made a very good argument that was actually basically what won me over uh, to the small block size uh, side, which was talking about the elasticity of transactions, basically saying that actually Bitcoin transactions seem to be very inelastic. The big block argument was effectively saying that uh, transactions were elastic, meaning um, if the price of a transaction goes too high, people are going to go look for other stuff. They're going to go look to an altcoin to trade on or whatever, you know, go use Litecoin or whatever instead of instead of using that. Um, but your point was that actually they seem to be inelastic. And empirically, this kind of has been proven true. Um, no amount of uh, block size increase has, has like, um, you know, made Bitcoin suffer um people have certainly been frustrated with it at times but it's it's never it's never suffered in the sense of putting any negative strain on um the network as such meaning all of the the properties that it claims to have remained intact and the reason that this was coming up was because you were effectively saying it's like look even if we believe that there might be some level of elasticity to Bitcoin transactions. It's like, shouldn't we wait until we actually see that become a problem to introduce a change? Uh, we should actually sort of have a, a kind of market test, so to speak. Um, and I think that's very similar with this. So much of the, the concerns around security budgets and such, um, I don't, I, I don't think that it's ever been shown empirically that the the network as such and being able to deliver what is sort of promised, uh, you know, by the by the value proposition has been hampered. Now, certain visions of it, obviously, like cheap transactions and stuff like that. If if that literally was your vision of Bitcoin, then yes, you're you're going to be frustrated. But in terms of a peer to peer electronic cash system, which means, you know, being able to hold a cash balance and being able to transfer a, a cash balance and such, like all, all of that has remained intact perfectly. Uh, it's been, it's been amazing. The, the, the dynamism of uh, the, the, the market and the, the mar mining market and all of that has, has just, it's been quite a thing to watch, including all the ways in which people have adapted to the rising fees and how to economize on block space and, and so on and so forth. 
So likewise, it's just, you know, shouldn't we wait until we've actually seen the security budget, this this concept actually see some hampering? And one thing that I've seen from from the the drivetrains argument is like, you know, from from some point in time, I don't remember when the statement was made, but it was looking at, well, the price, uh, the the transaction fee has never sustainably remained above five dollars or so, and this was just a number that was thrown out, I guess, as a a marker for we're reaching a level where this the the um reward can remain at a certain level uh, economically. And you know, I was thinking about that, and it strikes me as sort of a a Goodhart's law. Uh, situation where it's 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 treating the metric of a specific price as the target of what you're trying to attain for so-called security instead of thinking i think from from better first principles of like are transactions actually getting censored um is the network actually being hampered is it not being able to deliver on its on its core functionality and so on and so forth and so I think, you know, just in the way that you were describing that with Gavin, when you have someone who's arguing for a change in sort of the 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 incentives of Bitcoin mining, um, such that now they can have some some level of of profits from a place other than just, you know, chasing after uh, cheap energy and cheap, ASICs, and now this sort of third thing of of you know transaction fees on various side chains, um, and and all of what that could possibly entail. Before you introduce that, I'd like to see, uh, you know, if if you're going to use a security budget style argument, I'd like to see actual for real pressure on the Bitcoin network to not be able to deliver on what it's supposed to do. And so far, we have not seen that. And so, um, you know, I take a very conservative approach on that personally, like my my viewpoint of of Bitcoin is that it should remain as is um, until Till, until you actually see a need to change. And I feel the same way about, you know, even, you know, people will talk about the need for a real hard fork. So for instance, like there's the, the Unix timestamp thing. Now, maybe someone will bat, figure out how to do a soft fork uh, for that as well. We'll figure out soft forks. Anyway, I mean, stuff like that is is going to be a real consensus change. There's the idea that, you know, one day SHA-256 will get broken and thus there will be a need to move to a different uh, system or something happens with ECDSA and this becomes an existential threat. I have the exact same feeling. It's like I, I, I want, I prefer things as is until some actual pressure is shown to 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 demonstrate that Bitcoin is not able to deliver on these core functionalities, and that's when uh, these other things. Now, once again, a soft fork is is. You know something interesting in that you know we've all sort of already consented to it uh if it happens if it gets activated um so it's it's not as though i get to just decide uh whether or not it gets activated um but there are there are still there are these like paradoxical things with uh you know the the individual versus the 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 consensus as a whole uh but but overall my my point with all of that this this long diatribe is is basically that uh there's not even an empirical need from from 
for the argument that's being made around transaction fees. And so when that's the starting point, so we, we look at the starting points and it's like, kill altcoins. It's like, I, I don't think it's going to do that. Um, you know, people make altcoins because they want seniorage, not because, um, you know, people might use altcoins because they want uh, to have some interesting features. They're shopping around for like, oh, I'd love, I'd love more private transactions, or I'd like f faster transactions, or whatever it might be. They might shop around, but the people making them, they're doing it because they want seniorage. And so I, I don't think that you're going to have a flood of developers coming in to uh, make sidechains. And so far, as we talked about earlier, it's just it's not even happening in the first place when they can already do that today. Um, and so uh, that that just does not strike me as a, a real thing. The idea that uh, the the security budget that is that's going to aid it, it's like I just I don't concern myself with these things until I see real. I I would like to see development of better ways of of thinking about that problem so that we can understand when we when we might need to make uh, some sort of. Uh, change, but we're not seeing that so far. It hasn't been demonstrated. And then, uh, you know, there's also been things, and this this comes up. I think every bear market really is like, oh, Bitcoin would have a higher price if only uh, you had done the thing I liked. So Roger Ver did that with the uh, block size um, because he there there are all kinds of ideas that. Um, because Bitcoin's block size couldn't increase, people had to use altcoins in order to be trading. Therefore, Bitcoin dominance went down. And that's why Bitcoin uh, you know, only went up as high as it did instead of going up even higher. And this seems to be a common thing that happens during during bear markets is if only if only you had adopted my thing. And to that, you know, because uh, I, I see this sort of attitude in drive chains as well, um, in in the marketing of it that I see, and you know, I'm 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 not on Twitter these days, not not much, not as much, so um, I, I don't even get the full thing. But some of the stuff I've seen is like suggests is like, oh, you know, we we would have gotten so much higher if only we had had drive chains, but then I look at the the actual market and. Since 2015, when drive chains was announced, we're, we're, the, the price of Bitcoin is up over 8,000%, um, which is a large enough change um, that I have a hard time believing that drive chains in particular would have had any effect. In fact, kind of any, I don't think taproot, I don't think any of that, as much as like broader macro conditions around the need for a certain kind of money, which Bitcoin already has. So it's just hard for me to to see where where the argument in favor of me wanting to take a deep deeper look at it um it is supposed to even come from. Yeah, I guess on the security budget part, I feel like um the it's already solved, right? So it's it's like when people are like, oh, uh, there's not enough Bitcoin. And then we're like, okay, yeah, but it's it's divisible. And then they say, Oh, okay, well then how Oh, so it's inflationary? Huh? So it's inflationary? Yeah, exactly. Like the pizza argument. Um, but you know, I think that on, on the security budget, the solution is very simple that hey, if people's transactions are not getting included in blocks, then they will pay higher transaction fees to get them included in blocks. Like there's not uh a uh a, a tragedy of the commons here. Um and we see empirically that look, there's been long periods of Bitcoin's history where transaction fees are very low, uh, and yet there's still transaction finality. 
And then people point to the subsidy, right? The new Bitcoin being added. And they're like, oh, here's why. Here's why it's not getting, you know, uh, reorgs and, and double spends is because of the subsidy. But the subsidy gets picked up by a miner regardless of whether they censor or not. And so, you know, there's an argument that uh, the subsidy is actually bad for censorship resistance, not not good. Right. And I mean, the, the the purpose of the subsidy being there in the first place was as more of a it's a bootstrapping mechanism. How do you how do you distribute the initial coins? Um, that that's more the the problem that it's is trying to solve, not how to uh, pay miners, even, even the white paper, um, which is missing many key uh, parts of, of how Bitcoin works. Uh, even the white paper, like, you know, speaks of of how transaction fees will will need to uh you know eventually th those will be the the bigger source of income yeah and and then like people are like oh, okay well do you think transaction fees are going to go up or down or sideways and it's like from my perspective the the past is the best guide to the future on this which is that yeah you're just going to have volatile transaction fees um and you know we we were talking about my conversation with gavin earlier I actually now I disagree with both myself and Gavin from 2014. I think we were both wrong. Um, but, you know, the and that's that's the nice thing about uh, being open to learning things, right? Open to new perspectives. You can change your mind. Uh, it's OK, folks. Um, but the the point about the transaction fees being high enough in order to, you know, secure um, Bitcoin, uh, the. I think that that's just a misreading of where the security is coming from. The security is coming from the nodes and the private keys. The transaction finality is usually what people are trying to refer to when they refer to the security. Um, and the transaction finality, at the end of the day, miners are very mercenary. Uh, and you could take it to... And people don't like this, uh, but you can take it to kind of the reductio ad absurdum of, hey, Bitcoin mining started with just Satoshi mining, right? So so it was literally a monopoly. Uh, now, not literally a monopoly in the sense of a legal monopoly, but there was just one person mining. And I actually think that as long as there's no censorship going on uh, and there's no you know attacks going on, then all else equal mining collapses onto one laptop um you know af uh, just because there's no revenue right to, to to actually do it um and then if there are people who are trying to uh double spend or you know the the person who is operating that laptop wants to double spend now suddenly because mining is permissionless it's an open entry you know open set um once they start misbehaving that's when you start seeing transaction fees go up and then new miners come online and start, you know, bypassing the the bad dishonest miner. And so it's really just an, a, a point about being anti-fragile rather than having this massive budget and saying, hey, you know, we're going to have deterrence at the expense of our users. We're going to have this massive deterrent, which is basically like saying, hey, we're going to have a multi-trillion dollar military industrial complex in order to scare people away from attacking. And then, you know, you go to Afghanistan and you get defeated. 
Right. Yeah, I, I do want to highlight. Uh, I actually, I, I also kind of uh, disagree with part of your arguments from that time for for much of the reasons. But the the elasticity part, it's. It, I think that part still holds up um, because it doesn't. Uh, it, it doesn't. I don't know. It's, it's not well. It's not. It's not making an argument as to what the correct price is. It's simply making an empirical statement uh, that people are willing to pay high fees when it's necessary. Yeah, um, but and I guess the caveat I would add is for how long, and and how high. Uh, in the sense that if we look at the median transaction fee, it's like thirty dollars at the top of those spikes which interestingly is very close to the cost of sending a wire transfer. So arguably the ceiling is somebody's going to have to decide between sending an on-chain transaction or sending a wire transfer through their bank. And uh, that puts a, a cap on it rather than. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think your, your argument, I don't, I don't think that argument uh, requires saying that it's like perfectly inelastic. Right. It's just saying that the, the arguments that are being made um, claim, I, I actually, it's funny because I, I think of this as being closer to, you know, the what where you're describing now is actually the the best formulation of exactly what you were saying then with regards to the elasticity side of it, because of the fact it's like we can't um centrally plan these things, but you're also, you know, assuming like the the people are the the other side was assuming a lot more about the particular economics than what we actually saw in front of us. And so now we're kind of seeing actually there's there's many ways in which the the, the fees can go lower than we thought. Um, and they have. so in, in kind of, and it works both ways. Yes, uh, we're not we're not paying uh, a whole Bitcoin to get our 10,000 Bitcoin uh, pizzas. Yeah. And, you, you know, the, on the elasticity point, I think that there's the demand price elasticity. There's also a supply elasticity. And. When I was talking with Gavin, you know, it, it was really a conversation about, oh, do we double the block size limit, quadruple it, et cetera. Um, and then with SegWit, it was kind of really about marginal. And th this is one of the things I like about SegWit is it was is the marginal economics of, hey, as people adopt SegWit, that's going to increase the block size, right, to up to, you know, let's say four million mm -hmm. weight units. Um, and so it took four years for that to get adopted. And so I think that we could make an argument for, hey, long term block space um, supply does increase. And so it really, you know, the 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 idea that, oh, we're going to constrain block space supply in order to drive up transaction fees. I think that was a fundamentally flawed argument that I made. That, know, that side of it, yes. Last week, <laughs> that that side of it, yes. I think that there's there's uh, there's there's drawbacks to that argument, or you know, uh, I, I, I I agree with that. I was and then trying to drive chains. They make very it specific again, right? parts of the the arguments we were making, not not in some the entirety of what you were saying. Oh yeah, I think the the nuances are gonna get lost on the ADIQ. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I forgot we're all we're all ADIQ. Uh, yeah. So, um, but you know, it's, I, I'm it's, ADIQ, so I can't keep up with uh, how dumb we are now. Yeah, Paul Stork has said that with drive chains, he could envision a future where 
we can decrease the block size limit because all the activities going on on drive chains and all you have on chain are uh, drive chain, you know, transactions, um, kind of moving money between drive chains. Um, and I thought that was amusing because, you know, he's saying this while on the other side of his mouth, he's saying it's going to drive up transaction fees. And both is, cannot be true. Is is the idea, I mean, is there an argument that that activity between the drive chains is going to cause increase in fees? Uh, it, I, 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 I don't understand fully where the, the, the fees come from beyond the peg in and peg out. Um, yeah, I think that's his thought process, which is that these these drive chain transactions will will be so valuable. They'll have so much economic density to them that people will pay very high transaction fees, um, which would be true if the supply side of block space was constrained. But as I was just arguing, uh, it is not it is increasing. And so uh, it is not decreasing. <laughs> and he can say, do you mean, well, do you mean yeah. increasing uh, relative to a particular transaction? Well, I'm, I mean, increasing like we went from one megabyte to four million weight units to, you know, who knows what's next. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it's possible that someone comes up with a, another, you know, soft fork that that raises that as well. I would also say it's like uh, uh, another way of saying that um, that's that's like an explicit sort of change, whereas also as people economize on block space, that too has a similar effect in the sense of you're not taking up as much so more transactions can fit in the throughput increases in both ways yeah and so, so there's there's his... relative to the block size as it is now and also relative to a potential change to the block size in the future that's right so his argument would require that bitcoin miners uh decide to do, do another miner activated software to reduce the block size limit um, and, you know, uh, pump up transaction fees by creating this artificial scarcity, um, which I just don't see. I don't see that happening uh, because they could do it today. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if if this was actually um, the rational game, theoretical revenue maximization move, they would already be doing it. They would already be de decreasing the block size limit. The problem is that they have. Um, a coordination problem, right? They they have a prisoner's dilemma of, hey, I can only decrease my block size. I can't decrease their block size. And so if I do that to myself, I'm just leaving money on the table. They have to collude in order to suppress supply in order to drive up prices. And, you know, I think that like Paul sees that as, hey, this is great. This is solving the security budget problem. Um, I just see it as uh a completely, first of all, unrealistic thing, because if it was realistic, it would already be happening. Uh, and second of all, uh, he's basically Fed posting, right, of saying, hey, miners, you guys should um, stop being decentralized. Right. Yeah, it's... Uh... I, I can't say that I, I have much interest in uh, digging more um, in fact, the, the more I hear that I, I want to dig into it more as, um, not as a, a, a bit, but perhaps a CVE of, um, in, in what ways drive chains could be, um, seen like the, the 
possibility of drive chains as a uh, vector of attack rather than um, something benefiting us because uh, I, I just don't I don't see the product market fit and I only sort of see um, ways in which it's uh, distracting us from like you know better uh, improvements to Bitcoin that that have actual product market fits. Um, yeah, I mean, I much I much prefer the covenant debate. That one, you know, that has some legs. You know, there's uh, there's actual code uh, uh, implementations, as far as I'm aware. Um, people have done uh, reviews. There's a lot of debate. There's a lot of people who say, "I actually, I would build this today if I if I had this available." Um, that's a much more interesting uh, debate to be had. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, I think that there's an actual like let's call it a builder community around um, uh, kind of the covenants problem space. Um, whereas with drive chains, it's basically Paul saying, well, we're going to have community. Yeah. We're going to steal polka dots, parachain builder community, and they're going to come to us. You know, it's funny. Um, the other problem with this uh, comparison where they'll like, Oh, Ethereum has 5 trillion developers and Bitcoin only has seven. You know, they the they use seniorage in order to subsidize development activity. It's not all like organic, you know, paying for itself product market fit. It also seems like a bit of a cell phone, right? Yeah. Like, what, what is the value of all those developers if if they do all that, but they they can't deliver something as uh, just incredible as uh, as as Bitcoin? Um there's also, I mean, it has. A, do do we have market data and uh, market research on how many of these Polkadot de developers and Ethereum developers and whatever other developers, um, which one of those, uh, like like how many of those people are are on board with wanting to come over if if drive chains is available for them to work on, um, or are we just because there's there's a really there's a, there's a big problem in business, and as as a as a programmer, I I'm fully aware of this this inclination. It's it's, it's very easy to imagine what people want. Um, it's much more difficult to deliver what they actually want. Um, and as, as a programmer, I know I I've, you know I can I can easily go on on the wrong side of that. Um, so it, it seems like this is happening too. Like, do we have do we have like I'd be I'd be curious in it if we saw a large contingent of ethereum developers being like oh i heard of this drive chains thing like how, how, how what what's the progress on that because i'd love to come i'd love to come build on on bitcoin um but i i, I don't hear any of that knocking well that's uh, you know there's the developers and then there's the the users of okay you know let's look at all the polka dot parachain uh users um, what, where are they? Hello. <laughs> uh, if anyone in the audience is a avid polka dot parachain users and, you know, you've got all sorts of interesting use cases, uh, I'm all ears, but you yeah. know, I, I mentioned that the only real use or no, I asked, I asked folks for, are there any use cases that are not token issuance or DeFi, you know, Ponzi schemes. And this guy re replied with a list of 10 and I start clicking on them. And I'm like, oh, I I remember this at Kraken. Uh, we listed this and it has its own token. And the whole premise is let's do a token issuance. There wasn't like a single one that uh, 
could stand independent of the to- token issuance itself? No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, yeah. if it could look, hey, here's <laughs> the thing: is that um, if it could, it would be a real business, right? And there are there when I look out in the world, there are lots of real businesses out there. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying there's no real businesses. There's just no real businesses that uh, that have a problem uh, that uh, you know is going to lead to hyper polka dotization. Right. And also, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the Paul's argument was like in the, in the CoinDesk article, Hey, you know, if, if we do drive chains, it's going to cause hyper Bitcoinization. It's like, okay, where's that magic for every other chain that's doing this? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd think they would have done even, even, even better than they did um, in their, for the most part, uh, most of them just in their initial pump and, uh, and dump. Uh, but you'd, you'd imagine that something like uh, Ethereum, where you're, you're building all these things on it, and people are already doing that today, um, you'd think Ethereum would have even more success than it has. Um, and, you know, the, the nature of that success, uh, there's, there's a lot of questions, uh, you know, around it that, that, that could be raised. I think there's also this issue where you know for for both of these and also goes back to how you can do the the, the multi-sig th- stuff today and all that is i think a lot of the paradigms around bringing these things to the bitcoin chain is is still stuck in that 25th 2015 mentality of um you know altcoins back then were much more like we changed this variable um we have a slightly different rule set um it was everything kind of looked like Bitcoin. Um, and it was just sort of like direct copies, but with this change. And in that mentality, yeah, I can get like, you know, take the seniorage uh, part out of it, which obviously is a, a huge ask uh, and rather unrealistic. But take that out. It's like, OK, I can understand, you know, you'd you'd want to uh I, I could I could see why people would be excited of like, oh, I can actually just have this thing that's directly tied to Bitcoin and um that's how people can move into this to use this cool thing. And I don't even have to do the whole token launch. It can be just baked into it and I can use it in my Bitcoin core wallet and it'll be awesome. Um that's that's uh great and all for for that 2015 vision, but today it doesn't seem like they have the same mentality. In fact most of altcoins today have have such a strong interest in things like proof of stake um and uh these the all, all kinds of like you know highly centralized proof of stake you know kind of uh methods of doing things that i don't even see how drive chains would solve what they want in fact it would be like an anti feature for them because they enjoy being able to have the uh lack of need of proof of work but drive chain seems like it would just be like, oh, but what if we added proof of work? So like, what if we made our centralized, you know, proof of stake uh, token platform? What if we made it really slow and cumbersome by tying it to a proof of work system? Uh, that's, a, that's a much tougher sell for them. And uh, it's kind of, you know, Bitcoiners who stand alone as the people It's like, well, actually, for our use case, we truly need proof of work. Whereas for everyone else, for their use case, and I think they're you know, they might even be kind of right for what it is they're trying to do that they don't they don't need proof of work because they don't care about, um, you know, uh, uh, money in the same way that we do. And so 
I don't even know what the the draw would be to adding, you know, moving moving your project from something that could be as simple as just like, hey, I run this this uh, you know multi sig, and this is how we we govern the chain, and we're able to do it super efficient. I don't see how it benefits that mindset senior edge aside uh to be able to like okay but now we need to do this like proof of work and we have to go get permission from the miners uh to get activated and we have to constantly be like lobbying miners to like be uh liking our things and not stealing our all of our coins and and so on and so forth michael um, i think you, you you hit why why i dislike this so much is that i'm just envisioning the next like 20 years of my life of people nagging me about hey you guys should signal for my bloody blah blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, you know, there is a lot of work to be done in Bitcoin. I mean, it's it's astounding. I can't. I no, none of us can keep up with everything ever, anymore. Um, but I, I've harped on this many times over the years. But you know, Bitcoin scaling is not merely throughput, right? Um, you know, that's that's one aspect. And I think this is something that the, the the big block camp got too hung up on was throughput as sort of the one scaling thing. But in reality, the system as a whole has a lot that goes into it. You have to be able to custody the coins and keep them safe. You have to deal with all the key management. You have to do deal with... Um, you know, uh, you know, corporate governance for you know larger entities. You have to deal with um, all kinds of payment stuff. Um, you know, just simply simply accepting Bitcoin for a business that seems is easy until you actually do it, and then it's like actually there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into um, making a, a business tick, and so for Bitcoin to be integrated in, into it takes takes a lot of work to you know piece in you know. Uh, billing and invoicing and then the accounting and like all of this stuff, you know, uh, it, it, there's, there's, there's all of that going on and Bitcoin endogenously already has just an astounding amount of technological innovation that, that we've seen come through the pipes over the years. And I think largely it's, it's, you know, been, uh, with very good product market fit, but there is all this work that has to be done to not just, you know, make make Bitcoin this thing that ticks, but deeply integrate it into every facet of our sort of monetary economic lives um, from from saving to spending to, you know, so on and so forth. It's, it's, it's such a, a daunting task that has so much to do to be distracted with like, oh, but like this little feature, it's like I, I even even being neutral about it. It's just like I, I can't care. I have too much other stuff that I need to get done and everyone else has to get done. I, I, I can't I can't spend all of my time looking at each of your new little features because even with the features we have, it takes so much time to actually integrate it. A great example of this is multi-sig itself that was introduced on day one. It's always been in the Bitcoin protocol um, in to, to some degree. You know, there's, uh, you know, check multi-sig. Um, and over time, multi-sig, the way that we actually do it has improved. So, you know, starting to use P2SH and, and so on and so forth. But even with that, so that it took um, until maybe two or three years ago where to where multi-sig was this thing that was actually widely deployed and kind of like usable in a real sense, meaning we went like a decade 
uh, of um, like not having multi-sig like that, despite the primitives already being there. So there's also the scaling of not just sort of uh, this uh, breadth of, uh, you know, kind of cool primitives, but also the depth of getting those primitives integrated into our lives. And people kind of, uh, they, they get really excited about the breath. They don't get as uh, excited about the hard work that goes into the depth. And um, it's, it's also frustrating when you are trying to increase that depth to have people clamoring for more breath and then also almost, uh, you know, haranguing you morally, economically, et cetera, about why you need to care about that other stuff as well. And uh, that, that that's extremely frustrating from a from a Bitcoiner point of view. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, you know, if the conversation is how do Bitcoin miners increase the value of Bitcoin uh, in order to, you know, increase the their fiduciary responsibility of you know maximizing revenue, according to Paul, um, there I'm happy to help. Um, you know, Riot sponsored Tobin Harding to work on the Rust uh, Bitcoin libraries, and I think that's there's a, a ton of work to be done. Um, you know, the more sponsors there are of open source work, the better. Uh, so feel free to reach out. I, I'm sure that we can find opportunities to put capital to productive work in terms of actually increasing the value of Bitcoin. Uh, versus, you know, kind of just the marketing gimmick type stuff of uh, pump and dumps. And I think that, you know, miners, ultimately, they are uh, long term. Uh, you know, these these companies have uh, and individuals, you know, their their kids will inherit their mining rigs. <laughs> um, so the, the 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 way to maximize the value of Bitcoin, which, frankly, you know, it's funny that they focus on transaction fees and the having it's like. Yeah, but the dollar price matters quite a lot, too. And when you start talking about reservation demand, you know, reservation demand from having a very secure multi-sig uh, is going to pump the Bitcoin price and and transaction fees, for that matter, uh, far more than any kind of um, uh, nth sidechain implementation, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, uh, ho hopefully Bitcoin miners realize that. But the other thing I hope they they uh, they realize is that look if they activate this soft fork and the rest of the Bitcoin network kind of just ignores it and it's just basically um, a multi sig between the existing set of Bitcoin miners, um, you know, you're adopting a negative externality. Okay, you are saying, hey, um, we're going to have a digital landfill here and I'm going to own the landfill uh, and that you know you're going to have to clean that up because. Uh, nobody else is going to clean it up for you. Yes. Um, you know, I think my, my kind of last thought on this uh, that I can come up with at this time, I'm sure there's so many other things to say, uh, but, you know, Bitcoin is permissionless. And so, you know, every every individual gets to go do uh, whatever they want. Um, and I think that's a two way street. So I actually I, I don't mind in the least uh, people seeking out novel ways to work with Bitcoin, even ones that seem uh, maybe even strange to me. Um, you know, the 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 very notion of just kind of thinking about drive chains and stuff that doesn't bother me in the least. Um, uh, the 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 other way on that street is 
uh, feeling the same towards uh, people like me who want to focus on things like reservation demand. Um, I, I I don't think I have an obligation. I don't think anyone actually has an obligation to even read BIP three hundred. Um, I've 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 looked at it a little bit. Um, I, I think like like you, I was a little hung up on the uh, the motivation section alone. Um, but I, I don't I don't think there's like an obligation either way. Um, and I think that's actually something that's so so neat about Bitcoin and so so beautiful, honestly. It's just like how Bitcoin emerges out of all of these individual actions. And I think there's there's value in um actually appreciating that that two-way street of of the individual. But I think that sometimes gets lost in some of the ways that the um you know the debate occurs um uh, because um, particular groups sometimes kind of uh, latch onto that uh, at the expense of of others, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I just want them to rewrite the bit motivation. <laughs> they, they they themselves say it's bad, but they don't want to like change it. Yeah, and th this is this is sort of my point. Is like I I have my stuff, and like I'm I'm happy. Like I wasn't sitting around coming up with Segwit and Taproot and stuff like that. Others did. Um, and then when they came to me, you know, the burden of proof was on them to say, you know, hey, here's why it's a cool idea. And I'm like, wow, that's a cool idea. I, I, I would love to see that in Bitcoin. Uh, and and lo and behold, we, we see that um, it's a little different when you you come up with an idea and you bring it and it's like, OK, like I, I don't get it like that motivation, for instance, like that's the the key piece. That's the that's the hook. Um, that's supposed to entice me to want want to look into how does it even work in the first place? Like first, I want to know what's in it for me, um, and and what's in it for for my you know engagement with with Bitcoin. And um, when when you don't when you don't succeed at that, it's like I'm sorry, I'm just like I'm not gonna I don't I don't have to pay attention. Um, and uh, the, the the best way that you can improve that is to you know improve that hook. To actually demonstrate, you know, what it is that would be valuable uh, to them, um, and then, uh, you know, also obviously the the technical needs to be able to deliver on on that motivation. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I mean, obligated I, I, to read the bit. Yeah, I would have I would have had the exact same reaction if the Segwit and Taproot activation pitch was, uh, "This is going to kill shit climbs." I, I, I would have found it laughable, right? Like, okay, well, now I don't, I don't even need to hear about what your proposal is because you're an irrational person. And that's why those upgrades did not start with the pitch of this is going to kill S-Coins. Yeah, in fact, I think that that was sort of a a demerit to some of the marketing around SegWit by, by various people. I, I'm not saying there's, I mean, there is no official SegWit marketing, but like uh, some of the discussion was too focused on like the, what ended up causing like the S2X type debacle is this expectation that it was coming with like the block size. And so it was almost, it was some, some people who were cheerleading for it um, I may have even been in this. I'd have to go back and, and look at, at what my statements were at the time. But I would say, looking back, um, tying it too much to specifically increasing the block size as like this, like, oh, well, we're like part of the scaling. Even if, as you described, like there is kind of these things and maybe that's even good, et cetera, et cetera. It, it sort of 
diluted the marketing away from the stuff that when I look back is like, what is amazing about SegWit? And it has to do with the transaction malleability issues and how it's like in many ways, it's like, this is how a transaction is probably should have always been. And um, it's just, it it makes for, you know, just just a better method of handling the the signatures and, and all of that. Like that's me, the stuff that that enabled was ultimately way more interesting than anything to do with specifically like, oh, by the way, it also has this like block weight increase, you know? So M Michael, do you think that uh, Lightning did did kill Bcash? Because <laughs> Bcash is dead, so. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I think Bcash killed itself. I don't know. Like That's exactly uh, it. That's, no, that's exactly like, my I, reaction when, when people are like, oh, this is going to kill S coins. I'm like, S coins are suicidal. Why, why are we putting any energy into murdering them? Yeah. I mean, so some people will point out as like a, a critique of, of kind of us is that, you know, we, we bandied around articles that had names like, you know, the coming demise of altcoins and stuff like that. And when you actually look at uh, the market, it's like, that is actually very true of almost all of them, but there have been certain uh, coins that have remained uh, viable in some sense. Therefore, you know, that that argument was just wrong. Um, and I, I think that's an interesting one, because first of all, I think we were actually pretty early to kind of shift towards it's like, look, we know that these things are going to like come and go. What we're saying is like the ultimate battle has to do with uh, liquidity, and none of these are are showing any any d demonstrable attacks on on Bitcoin's liquidity. Um, Ethereum is is sort of the closest, but they've they've done things that I just don't think it's a a long term competitor. Um, but the point is, it's like that that's used as like an attack on this. But aside from things like Ethereum or whatever, it's like you look at you can go to the altcoin graveyard, you know, and it's just like every single one, they all basically did go to zero. And so it actually was true for the most part, um, uh, save for 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 just a few of them. And even that we we had kind of changed our tune at some point to um, uh, account for that fact that things were necessarily all going to kill itself. But instead, focusing on the long-term trends um, as as our our core focus, rather than um, like having to have a narrative of everything is going to die in order to allow Bitcoin to win. It's like actually, yeah, fine. Have your little churn of you know everyone, anyone who wants to print money is going to get to print money or whatever. Things are still going to go away, and Bitcoin is going to still stand as king. And so it's it's almost noise. That's like it it, it doesn't matter to me. Um, with all that being said, yeah, it's uh, they kill themselves. <laughs> yeah, happens. I mean, it reminds me of like I think any good business book will say, "Don't focus on the competition; focus on your customer." It's like that, you know. That's exactly what we're saying here. Yeah, even within Bitcoin, um, Rob Hamilton had a great uh, some great lines on Marty's podcast about how it's like, even if you think people are already doing things, they might not even actually be doing them, uh, which is a great reason why you shouldn't even you you don't necessarily have to pay uh, attention to the competition in that sense. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Do we have anything else? Uh, we're we're past an hour now and entering Joe Rogan territory. 
Oh, I mean, that means uh, we don't even have to talk as much when we get to 2024. That's right. Yeah. Have, this, uh, just a, a the, quick, the you know, hello. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and, um, you know, I have to say, I'm still bullish as ever on Bitcoin. And by that, I mean, I get, I get more bullish every day. And um, I, I, I do some of these debates get frustrating, but I also, I find them exciting from the point of view of um, helping, you know, kind of inspire introspection and look, look back and see, you know, uh, just as, as part of this whole learning opportunity is like, you know, uh, it clearly, I, I, we, we sort of disagree with the, the drive chains thing, you know, in what ways like, can, can I improve my way of, um, you know, expressing that to other people, if, if I'm right, uh, about certain things, you know, finding new ways to, to better express it, because, you know, as you say, it's, uh, we're still so early. Um, there's, there's a lot of, of knowledge that, that needs to be spread on all angles to, to be able to work through, uh, these rather complex problems. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I actually like that. It, it's, it's great for, um, inspiring thought, um, even if it's, uh, frustrating in the moment. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that from the point of view of like, um, you know, a malicious software getting activated, uh, like drive chains, I actually don't think that's an existential threat to Bitcoin. Um, and so, uh, I think that it's just people, uh, some people want to learn things the hard way. Um, I don't know if there's enough of those people to, uh, you know, get, get the soft fork activated, um, but they, they will learn the hard way that there's there was no value here to begin with. Um, but uh, I don't think that it would actually really have a significant negative impact on Bitcoin. Ironically, like I think Paul Stork agrees and he, to him, that's an argument for the soft fork is that, hey, look, like worst case scenario, this isn't particularly harmful to Bitcoin. And, um, you know, from my perspective, it's like, OK, so why are you wasting everyone's time? You know, like what? It, it, because we know it's going to fail. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep working on what I'm working on. And, um, you know, I'll go from there. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have an emergency podcast again after it gets activated and we can talk again about how stupid it is. Yeah, yeah. And we can, you know, just, you know, cope, cope and see that it actually, uh, you know, got in. You know, this is actually a, one point that I, I don't think that that we mentioned, but I, I, I do think it's just a, a good reminder. And I apologize if I already said this, but, you know, I tend to think that if you are introducing a change to Bitcoin, um, the the healthiest mindset to have is that no matter how great the idea might be, um, it could be the greatest thing since Bitcoin itself. Um, it may not even happen within your lifetime. Maybe it will. Maybe it'll happen uh, very quickly, uh, like you know some some other things. Um, but you having the expectation um, and the the agitation to try to get things in quick. Um, it seems like a dangerous default mindset to have. And I, I encourage people to really take the the long-term view as as the default. Um, because Bitcoin is, you know, it's a marathon, not a race. It's uh, 
the, the goal is to build something that lasts into perpetuity for generations to come. And, uh, you know, uh, humbling ourselves before that fact is, is probably, I would say, a wise decision. That is the perfect note to close this out on. So thanks, Michael, and I'll see you next year. All right. Happy New Year. From a investment thesis perspective, it probably makes probably only makes sense to um, believe that Bitcoin has already ossified. If you know, you definitely should not be thinking that there's any changes ahead because it does seem like the 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 the, the possibility is at least strong enough that there there likely will not be. Yeah, I I, I don't think Bitcoin will ever ossify. Um, you know, when I think about what drives upgrades in Bitcoin, um, it really is about, okay, do we have something here that has an interesting set of trade-offs? And when we look at the history of Bitcoin upgrades, what we see is really an, uh, the opposite of ossification. We see upgrades that are increasingly significant in how you know, they they change the way that we can interact with Bitcoin. So um, I think ossification is a myth. Uh, but uh, the hard part with ossification is that we don't know what we don't know, right? So, um, you know, we could go 15 years without a particularly compelling idea. And then, you know, it's, it's 2040. And then some computer scientist comes up with some new theorem that, you know, unlocks some some efficiency gain that is so significant that there's an upgrade, a soft fork at that point. So, you know, we, we, we don't know when, when there's going to be good ideas, right? Because there's lots of bad ideas all the time, right? I mean, coming up with bad ideas for how to change Bitcoin, is probably the easiest thing that, you know, one could imagine. There's just an, a super abundance of bad ideas about how to change Bitcoin, but, Good ideas on how to change Bitcoin, those are incredibly scarce. I'd argue they're scarcer than Bitcoin itself. Um, so I think that, you know, ossification, the rhetoric, the narratives around it, I think those are not based on the software engineering reality. I think they're they're based on memes, right? And and then they, you know, obviously well, but the idea the, the, the in thing is context in order to achieve a particular end. All of that is 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 um, naturally it's it's subjective. So no, this is if we reach right, we can look at the no no. But the, say, it, hey, look, Taproot was a bigger upgrade than Segwit. That's objective, right? Do you think that Segwit was a bigger upgrade than CLTV or CSV? I'm, no, I'm talking about the. Uh, was, right? I'm asking. So I'm saying that, that in that just the idea of what trade off is worth it is subjective. That something has fundamentally changed in the incentive structures where. Now, there will not be uh, any upgrades in the future, regardless of how good the trade-offs are. I agree with you, Pierre, that, it's, uh, that any kind of changes, we need to weigh uh, the trade-offs well. Um, and, you know, and, and if there is a uh, demand for those specific trade-offs, then it might, it might actually happen. And with that tune, do you think that there's actually potential beneficial uh, trade-offs to um, uh, 300 and 301? I don't know if you had a chance to really look into it deeply. But do you think that yeah, there's any, so any actual benefit from that? Yeah, so I think that whenever we're looking at a BIP, what we have to first start is really with with the beginning of the BIP, right? Which is the rationale. What's the reasoning? What's motivating the this this BIP this this you know change to Bitcoin? Um, 
presumably, you know, it's a, it's a real problem that is being solved and that that problem can be explained, you know, in plain English in a couple of paragraphs of, okay, here's, you know, how this is negatively affecting the users of Bitcoin. Um, I didn't see that in Bib 300. What I saw was kind of just economic illiteracy for several paragraphs and just kind of a very disjointed thought process. It wasn't particularly coherent. And so at that point, I think that it's safe to say that if the problem can't be described in, you know, a compelling manner, then uh, it doesn't really matter how good the solution is. Do you from think a that there always has to be a, a problem that a BIP solves or can it also, yeah, also there does. be that it's Otherwise, so, like it because there's an so infinite much... number of BIPs that we could write that don't solve problems, right? So, for example, I could say, hey, look, the way that we can improve Bitcoin is by changing uh, this consensus variable name. And then they're like, okay, what what problem does that so, solve? Do you, you think know, it's a like, huge problem that Taproot necessarily solved? Or even a specific problem that, that like it, it necessarily solved? Or just added a potential other use case? Sure. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot of uh, problems that Taproot solved. Um, you know, one is, is I think, one that, that is getting a lot of attention currently with uh, different protocol developments is has to do with, um, you know, when you're doing a multi-sig, how much data do you have to put on chain? So before, back in the day, you know, with traditional multi-sig, you have to put, you know, maybe five signatures uh, on chain, right? Now, with Taproot and with Music 2 and other, you know, t uh, protocol improvements that are happening, eventually it, it could be as efficient as a single signature. So, you know, the problem of putting too much data on chain, that's a problem that, I can wrap my head around, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. Yeah. Bitcoin, in order to be decentralized, we, we want to we want to do that. Right. So, uh, you know, it's an efficiency game I, I that's it. just based on I, I the, so the underlying computer science and software engineering. Um, I don't have to make like crazy uh, economic speculative arguments of, hey, we should merge Taproot so that the relative value of Ethereum to Bitcoin, you know, like changes <laughs> like. Okay. That I, I is not saying. a problem. So you want to see an actual the, problem being uh, solved. motivation or rationale yeah. for a bit because fundamentally, I mean, you're just making like a, a it, it's 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 um, you know it's not it, it's it's the tail wagging the dog, right? I mean, it's like as a product manager, if I came to the executive team and I was like, well, the problem we should solve is that we don't make enough money, <laughs> you know, like you would get fired as a product manager if that was like. Okay, you know, that's I, I your contribution to the, the conversation right here. Because uh, really what it. you have to think about is is the users, right? The customers uh, and solving their problems. That's that's the role you have. Um, and so, you know, I don't think that it's a problem that uh, Ethereum exists, right? That like, uh, you know, writing a BIP that claims that Ethereum will no longer exist after this BIP gets adopted. That to me, it's just, it's not compelling on its own. Now, if that's just kind of sub argument three a, you know, like that's just okay, yeah, something that people throw out there occasionally. I, I get it, right? Okay, you know, lots. Every cause has bad arguments that are, uh, you know, thrown around by its proponents. I'm very familiar with that. Um, but I also just haven't heard any particularly interesting uh, rationales or motivations, uh, you know, beyond that. So, you know, when I uh, I've been 
trying to engage on Twitter with, sorry, on X. Um, you know, I guess that's a bit of a hard fork. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the motivation to me is, um, it, uh, at the very least, what needs to happen is that it needs to be revised, right? There should be a pull request on BIP 300 that rewrites the motivation in a way that is kind of just more in line with what one would expect for uh, a BIP, um, or at least is logical, right? I mean, that's, I think that's table stakes, that one could read through it and follow each logical step in each sentence, rather than kind of having a disjointed hodgepodge of economic fallacies. Okay, Pierre, first I want to say thanks for um, definitely coming in here and hanging out with everybody, uh, but also sharing your, your view where how you're looking at you know, any kind of um, changes where uh, what is what is it actually solving? What, what is the actual definitive problem that it's solving to see that if it's even worth even looking at? Um, I, th I think that that's it's it's fair and it, it's good to see that that's, you know, that's how you're looking at it, because then maybe potentially people can start to show, you know, for example, maybe it solves this problem or that problem. And then you can you can uh, on your on your own to see if that's an actual problem first of all, and second of all, if this solves that problem or not, and then you can think of the trade-offs, does it actually have negatives? So I think that um, everybody can think of different problems that it can or can't solve, but some might, like just, just a random one that I'm thinking of right now, if the base layer becomes too expensive to use, uh, like how can you send me $100 on Bitcoin or something like that? Do you think that drive chains can potentially solve a, a problem of, of actual scalability? Um. So is that is that in the BIP three hundred motivation? Is that in there that I missed it? I hear what you're saying. You you want you want the potential problems actually to be in the BIP, and I don't know if they are, but I'm just trying to think of problems that it can solve. Um, but the, the, it, yeah, it's I mean, I that. think that you know, I could I could come up on stage and say, hey, look, um, if 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 I buy a horse, you know, a pony, that will solve Bitcoin scalability problem. What do you think you, about you that? Want, you, it's like, okay, well, actually have I, all right, let's solving. talk about okay. that, I guess. All right, I'm going to give um, Paul a chance to speak, but I, I see your point is you want, you want personally the BIP to show the actual problems that it's solving, um, and then you would at least take it more seriously. Is, is what I you're think saying. traditionally that's the way it works. Well, I think uh, just I before I answer that question, I'd just like to know if you, if you have any other problems with the BIP other than the wording of the motivation section. Well, so the the BIP is ordered in a particular way, right? It's not. Did you did you randomize the order of the sections, or is there a logical projection of sections? I'm just asking if you have any problem with the BIP that's not the wording of the text of the motivation section. Paul, when I read English, left to right, top to bottom, I don't start at the bottom. I don't start in the middle. Start at the top. Yeah, but surely a reasonable person would read through the BIP and then they would oh, say, well, maybe do you I didn't know understand how much that content there right is now. on the Internet. How could one possibly read through even just if you limited it to Bitcoin content, it would be impossible to read through all of it. So at some point when you're reading something and it's of terribly low yeah. quality, you kind of just like <laughs> throw an error, right? I want to jump in here. That um... Well, I don't think, no, I don't think, I think it's the case many times when I've read something where I think, well, I don't really understand that paragraph right no, now. No, it's not that I didn't understand it. it. It was just that it was illogical, right? It, it was wrong. Huh. Well, okay. Well, let me answer. I mean, one way of answering your question, 
um, is that Adam Back has said that one of the problems that it would solve would be a way of giving billions of people their own UTXO. Uh, so I don't know if you think that that's yeah. So after you guys put in that pull request and it gets merged, I'll, I'll reread the motivation and I'll think about the UTXO situation. That sounds well, good. I, I, Pierre, I think it's fair that if you have a specific way of looking at, you know, BIPs and you think that that's the previous way all BIPs were and, you know, you want to see that in a future BIP, you know, that that's that's your own, you know, that and that might be a, a that's the way you look at it. And if that's the way you look at it, then, you know, that's that's fair. And if, if you if you start to read a BIP and it doesn't have, um, you know, what you're looking for in the beginning, then you might not even want to read the rest of it or, or it doesn't make yeah, sense I mean, to the rest of it. I mean, the, the thing is that you're there's trying to solve an infinite the number beginning. of solutions that we could build, right? The design space is infinite. What constrains it is what's the, what's the problem and what's the value of the problem? If the problem is uh, one that its proponents won't even stand by for five minutes and, you know, then they start throwing out other ideas that they just came up with, then, you know, that destroys their credibility. I think that the, 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 the BIP allows the two-way peg. And I think that, that that is such a, like, um like a, you know, out there idea that there's so many ideas that can come from it that it's very hard to put that in, like, a specific problem that it's yeah. solving. Because there's just yeah. too, many, too many potential I've... problems that it can be solving. You could just boil it down to a two-way peg. I wanted to say that if 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 uh, BIP one one nine CTV would start with like uh, a, an essay about uh, whatever Burak is uh, you know <laughs> giving people the speech how Ellen uh, Lightning Network uh, fails at this or that and and uh, and uh, and how we could uh, you know go around it and 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 stuff like that <laughs> the BIPs are technical. Uh, technical descriptions of mechanisms, basically. And I don't think we should go too far with that. I, I would somewhat agree in, in a simple simpler case where something like, you know, uh, like a, a check sequence verify and check log time verify that, that really just solve a, a straightforward problem. Uh, and of course, they did not contain in the motivation probably everything that we can do with them. Like that, that would be insane. I I would guess, like I can say not in front of me, but I would guess they probably did not even have the the most important things that we are using them for in the motivation. I will check it out later. Yeah, so, that would so be a that, good that, thing to fact check for sure. Yeah, that that it, it that there should be a limit to this. So in in certain cases where 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 you know where uh, where you can do so much with with the change because these changes are often really building blocks that we can combine in nearly infinite ways and 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 new use cases can be called came yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, with, I uh, think that the really... ask we're not asking for five thousand use cases. We're just asking for one. You know, just like put okay, put the most compelling one there and then you know that way people can get motivated and excited about it i think it boiled down to just a two-way peg i think that there's no current way to make a two-way peg um uh, like in a really well way there could be like you know some kind of uh, non-efficient ways to do two-way peg and i think that bip 300 with 301 together can solve the issue and make it a very more efficient way of, of doing a two-way peg. i think yeah i think paul should sponsor you you know, so that you can rewrite that uh, and put in the pull request.
Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a dev. Um, I'm just like a regular no, person. No, no, I mean, this is, this is the I try tip, to, right? I try we're, to just, find... we're, we're writing in English. Yeah, but I think you're... I don't think that you... I don't think that you're the good being, in people. Uh, I try to, like, see the, the good in their ideas, and I try to bring people together yeah. personally, you know? But, yeah. I don't think that Pierre is being serious when he says that he stopped reading at the motivation section. And I don't think that anyone who collided with the idea, if they say Luke Dash Jr. doing a pull request for it and you have Fiat Joff saying this idea is crucial for Bitcoin's survival, I think we all know that any reasonable person would read past the motivation section and try to decide for themselves what it's for after learning about what it is. I don't <laughs> so know. I think I, we I think all know that matter, it's not though. the case. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it so, because sometimes I could be unreasonable, right? Anybody can be. So I don't think it's it's like it doesn't matter. I'm it's, sorry. Why is it unreasonable to, to expect the BIP to explain the problem that it's solving? Well, right? it does. I, I, That's I just the most reasonable we need a, we need expectation at... I could possibly imagine. I mean, I'm not being OCD here. Like, I'm just asking for like table stake stuff, and you guys like presumably you want a soft work, right? So like, let's are, find a way to work together here. Because I think what you, I think you don't have an honest interest in the BIP, and the, your reading of it is not honest. I think uh, all right. Well, I mean, the, the thing is that yeah. here's the thing: like the this is a way of avoiding, you know, having to do the work of saying, "Hey, hey look, your way of avoiding. my critics are dishonest." No, it's uh, your so way of avoiding. I don't really do need to, you know justify my work all right that's fine but then you know the follow-up to that is no I'm, i don't think drive chains uh is a path forward uh and it doesn't seem to solve a problem and then you know th that's where we're at well i think it's your way of avoiding having to do the work because as you say you just read maybe two or three sentences and then decided to no it's an extensive set of paragraphs paul Go back yeah. and read the motivation. I mean, maybe you read it, you wrote it so long ago that you forgot what you were working on. But the thing so. is that it was not just two or three sentences. I read through those paragraphs, and it's just economic nonsense. And so oh, okay. when What's I look at nonsense? that, then I think, okay, well, if this is just solving a non-problem, then... Well, why I, don't you give me an example of the economic nonsense? An example of the economic nonsense. All right. Sure. Well, I mean, I think that the there's the security budget, you know, part yes. that we can put aside. We've already fleshed that out. I think that we well, agree to disagree. That out? Yes. I'm, well, would you like to talk about that or not? We could talk about that. We could talk about the market cap. I think that's an interesting one too. You know, market the uh, idea that okay. there's a bunch well, of S coins that break this Pick and, your favorite you know, one. I think, I think my favorite one is this idea that, um, you know, that there's a, a demand for this, right? And I think this is something that you touched on as well in that tweet of, hey, yeah, it's probably too late. It might be too late, right? So that's where, you know, this is, and this is from working at Kraken for three years. The whole purpose for the uh, cryptocurrency ecosystem uh, is not really about the technology right it's it's about the illiquidity the pump and dumping you know the trading of the tokens and the idea that that's something that technology can fix I, i'm very skeptical about it. i think uh you know technology can make it worse that's certainly the case um 
but also yeah, but what is this, what is it's a problem about? that should just, be solved by the Bitcoin pick developers. Your thing, like, I don't think that, thing that you, the, think you know, looking at, no, oh, hey, we've got these token casinos, you know, it's the responsibility of the Bitcoin core developers to solve this problem. Pick, are you going to pick your favorite thing or not? What, your favorite thing is that is an argument about the market cap of other currencies exists. That's your favorite thing. Yes or no? Well, you know, it's the, the this narrative that you've been pushing of, hey, this is going to kill S-Coin. Um, well, I think the, the reason why the market cap is in the motivation section of the BIP is because it points to the fact that there are other people who paying customers who put down their money for this type of thing. So it's saying this is a way of meeting customer demand for this, this idea. Well, the demand's Maybe already being met, right? I mean, I think yeah. that's what the BIP is establishing. Um, well, <laughs> no, I don't think... So, like, to, just to you, something like Monero or Zcash, the fact that it adds a privacy feature, that is completely irrelevant to its the fact that, it, that people pay money for it. Right. I think that people, uh, you know, the, the, they're into the narrative, right? Like, They'll they'll KYC on Kraken and buy Monero or Zcash, right? But you know, in actual practical they matter, spend, they just when they KYC spend the money on right? like a, a dark a dark net market, that's a case where someone's buying uh, someone's buying a product with Monero and someone's selling their product for Monero. There's there's a buyer and a seller, so there's not even a pump and dump possibility. And to, to you, that is like some kind of, well, I mean, how do you explain that, for example? Yeah, so this is the classic app coin fallacy. And this has been around for a very long time, which is this idea that, hey, if we have this little gimmicky use case for our token, then that's going to drive demand for, for it. And that's going to cause the price to pump. And I think the problem with that is really a question of velocity, right? Uh, so obviously, uh, the drug dealer who is receiving the currency uh, is not going to, you know, pay uh, his upstream supplier with that darknet currency. And at some point, somebody is going to be demanding fiat. And I think that the conversion cycle there happens rather quickly. Yeah, There's very little reservation demand that comes from uh, darknet markets. But they, <laughs> but that's not the point though, Pierre. So the point is at first there was no, there was no place to use Bitcoin, but then, uh, Dread Private Roberts created uh, Silk Road. Wasn't the pizza before that? The, crystal, yeah, the pizza, sure. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, yeah. so it's just like there's all these little small details that get missed yes. that make that, you know, you accuse me of dishonesty, but I look at all, you know, everything that you write. I've listened to you on podcasts. Like, you're you're almost right, but then you get like one little detail wrong, and it's like, wait, hold on. There's this like obvious counterexample right here. That you think blows that the up this, pizza, this argument. You think that the Chris Laszlo so, pizza example is really related what, to. Do you think that drives my interest in having the BIP revised, <laughs> right? That, hey, let's no. have an iterative process where, okay, you messed up. You didn't mean to make that argument about killing S coins. Let's go back to the BIP. Let's fix that motivation so that when people read this, they have a better idea of what this BIP is actually going to accomplish, right? Not, not the hopium. Not the nonsense, but you know what? Actually, what you tangible improvement this is making for the users of Bitcoin? I think that's something I could get behind. 
Do you actually believe that someone buying two pizzas is a legitimate counterexample to my claim that it was Silk Road that showed, demonstrated what using Bitcoin as money would look like, like something with no names, no KYC, no social security number, no mailing address, this big marketplace operating in defiance of local laws and just operating behind tour, very cypherpunky. You're saying that two people, enthusiasts on a Bitcoin forum, who one guy ordered someone else two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin. You're saying that that is a counterexample to the fact that Silk Road... I don't think that it's... Bitcoin. I think it's more about... The no, I'm only asking him. Satoshi Enjoyer. I'm only asking him. Thanks. So, yeah. I mean, I think that when I think first... Got right, that yes magical no, but, internet money feeling. That's when I sent my first Bitcoin transaction yeah. to a third well, party, well, which well, was yeah. to pay for a <laughs> ticket at BitPay. And that, you know, opened my eyes to what you're describing. I didn't have to go buy drugs to to get that realization. You know, it's like, hey, look, look I, I'm I not say that saying that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big supporter of, uh, you know, pardoning Ross Ulbricht. I think he got railroaded by the judicial system. But I don't think that right. he played a role where without his creation of the Silk Road, the Bitcoin would have, you know, not uh, grown to where it is today. Uh, I think that well, I might agree with that. We got to stay humble, right? Day, and we got to recognize day. that, hey, look, there's a lot of different ways this can play out. So sometimes, yes, you know, sure. when people say, oh, Coinbase know, deserves yeah, so I'm much credit for question. onboarding people onto Bitcoin, it's like, yeah, they were blah, at the right blah, place blah. at the right time. <laughs> but look, somebody... Yeah else would have onboarded them and so you know i think that there's a lot of like uh it's, it's i think it's like a mental fallacy right of okay it happened this way therefore it couldn't have happened any other way and yeah i do think that hey a transaction to buy pizzas is eye-opening um and that i could easily argue that hey a transaction yeah, to I mean, buy you know you drugs don't. Is we actually, know that you, you don't know, bad for the because person. You know perfectly well that what, the, what actually happened was, since I'm sure you know this Bitcoin history, is someone said, I want some pizzas. The other person made the telephone call and paid with fiat. It was a 100%. How, how do you know that's not what happened with the drugs, Paul? I mean, like, yes, of course the, we you, know you're really good at making irrelevant points that are just no, like nonsensical. It's directly relevant to your point of view. But really, it's just a nonsensical that, point that, no, yeah, the pizza transaction was not a direct directly okay, Bitcoin for pizza in real it's life you know, with a point of sale system using ETC pay I get that but it was you know, not dissimilar so all that dissimilar to this idea of buying drugs on the Silk Road Pierre, I would say Bitcoin would be better related. off if there wasn't a Silk Road yeah but it's directly related because I was talking Luke about makes a valid uh, point but um, I don't think that we want to have that debate today <laughs> no I was just making a simple point about Darknet markets were use case for Bitcoin in the early days. Yeah, there's a lot of use cases for Bitcoin, and then you right? Said that and point the, is invalid. The problem because, is that we refer to them as use cases. I mean, it's like, hey, I, I went to you know Target and I bought uh, some pair of bathing shorts. Isn't that a great dollar use case? It's like, what are you talking about? Okay, it's just money. Yeah, like, we get it. Yeah, you can buy stuff with it. 
Would you like to listen to what I have to say or not? Oh, I've listened to you so much you don't even know. And, but would I've you like to you for to li- hours, Paul? Would you like to listen to my answer to your question or not? What was the question? I'm sorry. You asked a question about use case. It might have been rhetorical. Yes. Well, I don't even know at this point if anyone in the audience but me can remember the thread of questioning. Because you have this mysterious trend to just start talking and talking. I don't understand it personally. But I think, I don't know. It's because you're so slow. It's like, just spit it out, man. Like, get your ideas out. Okay, well, I mean, let's do it. Scalability for Bitcoin, giving people lots of UTXOs. Is that a use case? I yes, did no? reply to that, Paul. I explained okay. to you. Privacy, put in a pull request on the BIP. Update the language. That way we can all look at it. You're you know, saying if we use? just get into it on the spaces, okay, how are people going to yes. uh, like see the exchange of ideas, right? We need to have lots Question of eyeballs on it. Update the BIP. I don't know you're why you're the you're reluctance of updating the BIP. I see. Yes. Well, I didn't know that anyone had any problem with the BIP text uh, at all. But, of course, you can submit your own pull request to the BIP if you like. And oh, you want me to update your rationale? No. You want me to no, update your motivation? No, you want me to work on no, your PR, project PR, I do, for free? I do not. No, I don't want you to work on it at all. Free or Okay. Well, you know, reason. let me know when you've updated but, but that BIP, and I'll get back to you. All right? But do you really think that that is reasonable to just say that it's a hundred percent reasonable? Of course, it's reasonable to expect a change to Bitcoin to be motivated by a specific problem that it has some coherent it logic behind it. People, That's table multiple stakes. people, multiple people in this space have given you real motivation. And several. I've asked them, why don't you yeah. put it in the bib? And it's just but, like, but well, don't you we think don't have to. A normal we don't person. answer to you, Pierre. And that's fine, course, right? Like, I get that you don't report to me. Uh, but in terms of actually garnering public support for a BIP, I think it's pretty yeah. critical to make sure that beyond just having great marketing on a website, by the way, so congrats on that, that the BIP, BIP 300 in this case, starts, yeah, what is the point starts, of just right? talking about this? Saying, like, what is the point of going on and on? But it starts with a motivation that is written in a way that is compelling rather than a hodgepodge of you. economic fallacies. I will explain it to you. Because a reasonable person will decide, they'll say, okay, maybe I don't agree with how the motivation was worded, but there is, in the real now, world, the real the world is an that. idea. I mean, there is a real world motivation for the but, idea that many people agree is very serious, such as scalability, privacy, etc. So since this real motivation exists, I'll just ignore the BIP text for now and then get into the ideas of the BIP, or I'll say something like, well, I haven't read the BIP yet, so I don't know anything about it. And so everything I've ever said about the BIP is laughably irrelevant because so I had no you, idea. You're I'm not going to update the motivation. No, I'm just asking you if you you're are not going to do, you're not going to change it. Well, I, I don't, I don't see any reason to change it right now, especially because so, you're rather than defending it, you won't it, I read. Mean, it seems like you're just kind of focused on. Well, I have a question. Changing here. it. How do you know that the motivation section is inaccurate? It doesn't match the idea of the BIP if you haven't actually read the BIP part. Yeah, so I don't know if the solution, the technical solution actually solves the problem that you described. My argument is that the problem, it does not exist. So it's a very, you know, whether a, a solution solves a problem that does not exist or not. Well, now we're getting into degrees of, you know, uh, creativity that uh, is, is beyond me. I mean, I'm a simpleton. You know that.
So your position is that if there were an altcoin that were very similar to Bitcoin in many ways, it had coins controlled by keys, it had a proof of work blockchain, it had a, you know, it had headers, it had Merkle trees. Your position, if we had something similar in the future, whose market cap was 100 or 200 times that of Bitcoin BTC, your position is that that would be, that's complete, according to you, that's a totally irrelevant consideration. And that does not affect Bitcoin. If we woke up and that had happened, you know, that happens two weeks from now or something, your position is that that would be completely irrelevant to Bitcoin. So let's explain this because here's what I would do, right? I, I go on, go on, Dude, Club, open question. that BIP. I'm just, I'm just saying, in my BIP, I would question. start the yeah. motivation with, no, hey, Pierre, look, it, there's it's another the, coin that's very, very similar to Bitcoin, yes. except for the okay. fact that it solves this user problem. And if we were to solve this user problem, then these people would come to Bitcoin. And so, you know, I think that it, it would be the same kind of describing a, a user problem as, you know, Taproot for that matter, or CSV or CLTV or Segwit. Is um, it an unfair question? The question I asked you, is it an unfair question that it's, there's, we, somehow next year we find ourselves in a situation where there's a different proof of work coin and the market cap is 200 times that of BTC. I'm asking you, you are complete, complete neutrality. You have complete neutrality on that thing. Is that, I'm asking you, you say that you're completely neutral on whether, how good that is for Bitcoin. No, Paul, I would be so motivated to identify the problem that that competitor is solving and seeing, okay, can we solve that problem in Bitcoin too? Or would solving that problem actually create more problems, right? Or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, at the end of the day, the reason why somebody is able to outcompete Bitcoin is because they're solving a problem better than Bitcoin is. Um, and that, I think, merits a close look. So you think it is relevant, though, if the, the, the pro relative proportions of the market cap I Your mean, real competition how else is not would you, uh, you, know, you could measure things like, okay, well, the thing is that, you know, somebody can put in a trade and, you know, pump up their market cap or things like that. Uh, so, you know, it's not the perfect measure. It's a proxy measure. And that comes with its risks. There are other proxy measures to look at as well. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that the reason why, uh, you know, we're, we're not... Uh, we're not able or Bitcoin is not able to solve some problems for folks uh, is because there are trade-offs associated with the solutions that, you know, are, are being solved. So I just want to point is, out here. The answer is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> hello. Yes. Say something. I, I just want to point out here that the altcoins are not the competition of drive chains because they already could be doing a side chain if they wanted to do that. There are existing side chains that are possible that are just basically the same as drive chains. You could have a 999 out of 999 functionary situation, and that's going to be better than the current Bitcoin mining situation. So the reason these things are altcoins is because they don't want to use Bitcoin. So the fact that drive chains are available, they still won't use it. They're still going to do an altcoin. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think that is actually irrelevant, but I think... Um, yeah, that's the why the motivation is, needs to be updated. I mean, the motivation yeah, yeah. seems to have that as a central point of focus. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. that <laughs> if you know, you're not going to stand by that argument, well, I'm sorry, but you're going to continue to face pushback because it's a bad argument and it's right there at the beginning of the document. You disagree with it, but you don't want to update the BIP. That I, no, find I, agree. I agree with everything I wrote. And first of all, the beginning of the motivation section is a quote from Reed Hoffman. It's two paragraphs right. of quotation. And he he invented LinkedIn. Why he founded. I mean, talk about guilt by association. It's, uh, he was, it's him, why he invested in Blockstream. So it's of direct relevance to the two way peg. And I just asked you for your favorite thing. And you said the part about the market cap ratio. Which is, an, which is irrelevant and economic fallacy. And then I asked you, well, what if the ratio were something 200 to 1? And then you said, well, that would be relevant. So it's really you who doesn't stand behind your yeah, argument. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it comes simple. down to, um, you know, we can play back the audio, but I think that it's a proxy measure. I mean, I think it's a totally legitimate proxy measure that, hey, look, in this wide crypto ecosystem, uh, if SHIB is skyrocketing, we should look at, does SHIB solve a problem that Bitcoin should be solving, right? Yes, and, I agree. You know, okay, the problem that SHIB is solving yeah. is about divisibility, right? People want to buy a tiny, 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 tiny fraction well, maybe, of Bitcoin. Maybe is no that problem. something that Bitcoin should solve? And then we can think through the engineering implications of that and come to the conclusion that, hey, despite SHIB's popularity right now, it might not be a good idea to soft or hard fork Bitcoin in order to increase you know, the divisibility of Satoshi's. I, yeah, I think that's I, a I totally agree. valid perspective. Well, I think one issue with that, though, is that I don't... I and so it, it really gets to the question of what you mean by relevance, right? So market cap relevance is like, oh, should we constantly be changing Bitcoin depending on what's pumping? I'd say, no, that's not a good no, idea. But if I we think about that. it as just a signal, right? Uh, a flag that, hey, look, maybe we should look at this technology. Maybe, you know, it's, it's something that Bitcoin should adopt. Right. That I think market cap is a, a valid, uh, you know, way of kind of triaging things. Yes, but isn't that the way I use it in the bit? But also, I think the idea that one person will know everything that's going on in every uh, everyone who's ever working in crypto or whatever you want to call it uh, is uh, basically impossible at this point. There's too many people working on too many different things, and there's no yeah, way we can't read all their bits. For sure. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I agree. Right. So how would you even be begin to work on the task of looking into what is being done in Zcash or Ethereum or whatever, storage, Filecoin, et cetera, Namecoin? Yeah, I mean, I think Wikipedia is a good place to start. Uh, maybe go have a beer with Zuko. Um, yeah, right. Do you, are you in favor of like ZK snark level privacy for Bitcoin? Uh, if the trade-offs are good, then yeah, I think that would be fantastic. You would be for that. You'd be motivated, one could say. To... Yeah, one could say that if you submitted a BIP for that and you know had a really great uh, every paragraph kind of just flowed coherently together, right? So then it's, uh, it makes sense. You don't like then... well, you know, but the first few paragraphs are they're not. I'm quoting. I directly quote. <laughs> Reed Hoffman, so maybe I I don't, be willing to, I don't subscribe you to you from authority. I mean, I, I know, but I, look I know, at but Reed I agree. Hoffman but what I'm I think to myself, I'm not I, I don't know if to... I want to take his advice on this bit. 
I agree. Huh. But I'm saying like, if I write Reed Hoffman a note, will you co-sign it with me? And we can ask him together if he will go back to his LinkedIn post in 2014 and he can change the, some of those paragraphs so that when I quote them in the BIP, it flows together in a better way. I, well, I wish that was the only problem with the uh, motivation section. I mean, <laughs> that would be so easy to fix. Um, but unfortunately, it's it's pretty flawed end to end. Okay, so and, we went we went for your favorite thing, which is the market cap ratio that you later admitted is actually uh, you actually later completely 180 degree reversed your point of view, and you said actually it does indicate. So why don't we try your your second favorite? What's well, the second favorite so Paul, problem? I mean, you earlier you accused me of being dishonest, like know, but you'd have to. I just admit like to know what the problems that, are. You know, we were talking so about this market them. cap issue in the context of killing S coins, right? So the idea is that hey, if Bitcoin adopted these upgrades, then this market cap would flow to Bitcoin. I think that's a markedly different point that. than the one no, we were discussing, that. which was around okay, what does does a increasing market cap mean something, right? And so. If we start conflating questions like this, I think that we, we get into 